First of all, a big, a big yashakech to the organizers, and um, uh, it's a schus to be here. And uh, unfortunately, I couldn't, I was traveling, so I couldn't really hear what other speakers are saying. It's very difficult to talk when there's a fabrenging for ace to ace, and um, people shouldn't repeat each other. But I suppose, first of all, they're, they're different crowds for different times. And uh, second of all, if, if anything is repeated, I'm sure it'll be excused. And um, Something always new comes out. Um, I'm sure it was spoken about um, from last Fabrengans or speakers that uh, all of the things that over the years the Rebbe let us know was Megala to us how what we can do, even though he, he told us to Alsvos Irkent and he told us he's giving, giving it over to us. But nevertheless, he's given us many things to do, to do with learning in Yonagula Mashiach in order to be able to, to bring Mashiach and many, many other things. Um, and I've just heard the last speaker who spoke about uh, also very, very important in Yonim how to internalize and to live with the, the concept of uh, imminent disgalos of Melech Mashiach. But ultimately, uh, there's no question that the Rebbe began to teach us how to live with Mashiach and how to, live, how to live in a mindset in the state of Geula rather than in the state of Golos from very, very beginning of his Nesias. As a matter of fact, I would say that for the first maybe 10 years, the emphasis was on how to live Geuladik in our own homes. Ofaratsto and Botechabad and, and uh, Samayonas uh, outside to go into campuses that began later. But in the very, very beginning, the emphasis was on chsidim, how to be able to change the mindset around us. And, uh, and the Rebbe did it in a very extreme way because it was so much against the grain of even the Frum community at that particular time. And um, the first four volumes of Lekut really is a, uh, uh, I would say, a, um, a derech, how to be able to change the mindset of living a Golos Dika mindset to Mashiach, Mashiach Dika mindset, how to change the whole perception and how we look at everything. And um, one of the things that the Rebbe taught us is how never ever to be apologetic, never to be, try to, um, when people ask us questions, to be able to answer with stolz and with pride, and to call a spade a spade. And that's how the Rebbe behaved all the time. We never ever could find that the Rebbe was apologetic about any concept. I was thinking this uh, Shabbos, the Haftarah, was the whole story of uh, uh, when um, David Amelech decided to bring the Mish the, the, the Oren to Yerushalayim. It was stored for a number of years by Avinodov. And, uh, Moish, and David Amelech is taking the, the Oren, and then when uh, the Agola, the, the Vogan, so Uzzah tried to hold it, and he was punished for it. And one of the lessons that the Darshonim find from this particular story is that it's not our place to be, so to speak, the uh, uh, people who try to find justifications and to uphold Yiddishkeit, to find Terutzim and, and to be the uh, apologetics for anything to do with, with Yiddishkeit. It was a, a story that happened in the late 60s. 
um, there was, it was around of a time of a Pegisha. There was a Shabbos dedicated to Pegisha. And um, around the time, they always used to have different journalists who used to interview uh, Chabad uh, representatives and spokesmen. And a particular journalist, he made an interview with a, with a very famous Chabad spokesman. And he asked him a question. He said that he saw somewhere that when a person is Mechal Shabbos, he's Chayv Misa, he's uh, liable for capital punishment. How can we call a religion to be a, uh, a, a, a modern religion which is applicable to our days and not to be looked up, looked upon as something which is very primitive and outdated? How can you say that in today's day and age, you take a person who's Mechal Shabbos and he's Chayv Misa? So the uh, spokesman started to explain that in reality, it was impossible to perform. It's only in theory. In practice, it was impossible to execute anybody. And he started to explain what says in, in Chazal, what says in Rambam, that when a person was, in order for him to be executed, number one, there had to be two witnesses. The witnesses had to see him an act. They had to give him an hasroah, give him a warning. And the warning had to include the fact that he's going to be killed. They had to tell him what he's doing is wrong. And a person had to continue, had to acknowledge, first of all, if he ignored them and you couldn't tell whether or not he heard them, he couldn't be punished. Only if he acknowledged the hasra and he continued immediately afterwards to do what he did, then he could be brought to Bezden, and then there would be hakirus and it would be so complicated, one little discrepancy and nothing could happen. So in order for the person really to be liable for death penalty, he has to want to commit suicide, he has to really know that he's, he's going to continue what he's doing. And afterwards, the hakeres and are so complicated that it could never happen. So he started to say that don't worry about capital punishments. It was only to show the harpkite of the Aveira, but it's nothing really to do with reality. Now, the Rebbe found out, I'm not sure if the Rebbe, the Rebbe listened to the actual interview, or somebody told the Rebbe, but the Rebbe found out and the Rebbe didn't like that particular approach. And the Rebbe actually spoke about it by Fabrengen. And the Rebbe said that, that this particular speaker, he was confused by the question and uh, he should have answered, said the Rebbe, 